You've got to get a good team around you. You've got to get good accountants. You don't want the accountant that works with people, no offense, but works with the people that work at Home Depot. You want an accountant that knows real estate. Surround yourself by a team of professionals that know what they're talking about, attorneys, because it's going to save you money. Yeah, is it going to be expensive? Yeah, but it's going to save you money because they're going to protect you and they're going to save your butt lots of times. What is up, everybody? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will teach you how to build wealth with real estate without buying yourself another job. As always, I am your host, Taylor Lote, and today we are joined by Joe Vyrie. Joe is a cost segregation professional. As a cost segregation professional, he has helped property owners defer or eliminate millions of dollars in income taxes by leveraging IRS compliant cost segregation studies. For those of you out there who who are hearing so much about the power of cost segregation and the power of accelerating your depreciation, that's what we're going to dig into today. Very powerful tool for real estate investors. If used correctly, we're going to dig into that today. Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. Could you tell us a bit more about yourself and your business, what you're doing with cost segregation? Taylor, thanks for having me on your podcast, your show, Cost Segregation. You know what? Accelerated depreciation has been around for over 50 years, but it's gone by so many different names, you know, monikers and descriptions. But accelerated depreciation has been around for a long time. What changed is in 1997, the Hospital Corporation of America uh, sued the IRS. They won. The judge was infuriated by the the way the IRS handled the case, that he uh, basically told the IRS that they had to make sure that they got the word out to everybody that they should be uh, using cost segregation, if it makes sense, to use cost segregation as the method for depreciation. So about 1997, things started changing around. And then in, in 2004, the IRS published a guideline. And anybody who cannot sleep at night can go online and they can Google ATG or Audit Technique Guidelines for Cost Segregation. It's going to be found on the IRS website. And they can read the, uh, I bet it's 250 pages now, of instructions for their agents on how to view and how to audit and how to look at cost seg. So that's our Bible. So basically, I've been in this business since 2007 when it was still relatively unknown. And I started out being an entrepreneur. I started a, a travel business of all things in, when, when I was in college. And in 2000, I sold the travel business and I, I moved into financial planning and working for the California Association of Realtors. And I was um, doing tax strategies, investment strategies for, for CAR, California Association of Realtors. Everything went great until 2008. 2007, about a year before, a friend of mine kept wanting to talk to me about this new thing that he wanted me to learn about. I kept blowing him off because I thought he wanted to sell me soap down and he told me about cost segregation. So I had two clients that were facing a $50,000 plus income tax bill. I deferred, not deferred, but I eliminated their tax bill. They were thrilled. And then in 2008, the car went off the cliff and the California Association of Realtors pretty much evaporated, and so did the real estate industry in, in the nation due to the recession or depression. And so the owner of the cost-ed company that I worked with, he said, Joe, why don't you come work for me? You're, you're great at it. You, you know about the principles. So I went to work for them, and I was in a unique situation where in the beginning, I had clients 
I was lucky, I guess, with a lot of money. They were buying real estate when everybody else was desperate in selling real estate. So I started up at a steep incline. And then about seven years ago, I started my own firm, which is U.S. Tax Advisors Group Incorporated. And so bottom line is I've been doing this for 15 years and I can tell you and everybody all they need to know about cost segregation and how to find a good provider and take advantage of it because owning real estate is powerful and the tax advantages are, are huge. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So I think one of the first questions that folks ask when they start digging into cost segregation, cost segregation studies and the providers is what differentiates the, if you will, expensive cost segregation studies from the cheap ones, the ones you can get online with you know, your credit card. Nobody ever comes to look at the property. What's the difference between those, especially in light of all the regulatory guidelines that you had mentioned earlier? Well, I think the main difference is, is the component of a quality study is an engineering-based study. So if somebody wants to do a study that's that doesn't provide engineering-based studies. They're just you know, crunching numbers in some app or some program. Basically, they're going to have a tough time defending their work because they really don't know the underlying financial and, and construction calculation premises. So I would say that's the number one thing. If you get an online provider who really is not engineering-based, who does not believe or, or practice using the techniques as outlined in the audit technique guidelines. And they're right there. I mean, I can tell you exactly what we do and we do everything according to the way the IRS wants us to do. Now, what is an engineering cost? What is a CPA cost? This is a professional. So obviously if you're paying 250 to 300 to $400 per hour, and, and yet you're going to give me a study for a, a $10 million multifamily for $3,000. Well, the math just doesn't add up. I mean, $300 an hour. I mean, you know, you're talking 10 hours. It, it, it takes 10 days just to do the on-site visit. So if the fee is too low, I would say beware. They're probably not using the audit technique guidelines. And they're probably not an engineering-based formula on putting their studies together. So you mentioned an apartment complex, which is very common. A lot of folks are doing cost segregation studies on larger commercial properties, very popular in the multifamily space. They're done on all the deals that we do. But it's not just limited to apartment investors. We see single-family investors do them as well. But taking on all that cost for a much smaller investment property might not make sense for a lot of investors. So is there a line at a certain point where it starts to make sense to do a cost segregation study, given the cost or size of an investment property? If it's a cheap property, it might not be worth the expense to do the study, but at a certain point, it might become worth it. Do you start to think about that? Yes. And, and there are everybody in the industry has a different formula. Our formula is, you know, I think it's a good thing to say is that really there is no building that should not be segregated. Um, meaning that like years ago, believe it or not, I think the smallest building I ever did was a single family home in Alabama that was purchased for like 25 grand. Well, nowadays, if you probably bought that same building in Alabama, it's probably going to be $100,000. At $100,000 now, we really provide a lot of value. So our basic minimum to do a building is, is pretty much nil. And the reason why we can do it is because we developed another technique 
we call it the analytical or modeling technique where we can do smaller buildings. And, and the, the way we do them is an analytical approach, meaning we take our experience and all of our tens of thousands of buildings we've done all across the nation. And now we're able to look at a building in, again, I'll pick on Alabama. In Alabama, 1,500 square feet, three bedroom, two bath. We get some information on the construction of the building. We get photos of the building, but we don't have to send somebody on an airplane or bus or car to fly to Alabama. So therefore, we can do these studies very inexpensively. So we have a ton of single family home investors. And I would say, you know, the, the, the minimum nowadays that we get uh, is still probably 50, 60,000. So there's really no, no, no underlying bottom floor to do in COSEG. I think there are other considerations that I would look at to see if COSEG is worth it because the fee versus the return is going to be there even on a small building. So anytime you talk about depreciation and accelerating depreciation, the next question comes up of, okay, what about when I sell the property and I get depreciation recapture? taxes. How do you handle that question when people ask about it? And how is cost seg and how can this all be used as part of a, a broader strategy, not just our investment in one property, but a broader, longer term investment strategy in light of depreciation recapture tax? Taylor, that, that's a great question. But let me start again. I should have started, but let me just, just say that I am not an accountant. Uh, we work with accountants, of course, and I'm not a, an attorney, so I'm not going to give tax advice or accounting advice. So the reason I mention this now is because what we find in dealing with high professional, highly competent CPAs is that, believe it or not, cost segregation reduces depreciation recapture, not the other way around. Now, what happens when people sell a building? Normally, what they do is, number one, they usually, usually mostly they use a 1031 exchange. They don't sell for cash. Number two, they pass away and, and their, their estate inherits it. Their, their beneficiaries inherit. Both of those two examples, depreciation recapture does not come into play. So forget about it for those two circumstances. The only one where it comes into play is if you sell the building for cash. So one of the discussions I have with new um, clients is number one, how long are you going to own the building? So we tell everybody, we feel that you must own the building for a year and a half to two years because of depreciation recapture. So if you're a flipper, I will tell a flipper, do not do cost segregation. I don't want your money. Stay home and you call me when you need, when you need the accelerated depreciation because of depreciation recapture. So let me use an example of, of a more common situation. And that's when the building is, is owned for five years. And so again, I'm not giving you accounting advice, but what my accountants, the, the, the high level ones, what they, what they do when somebody sells for cash after they own the building for five years is they're making the claim to the IRS that since we did cost seg and we have five-year property and we've identified the five-year property and I'll throw out a number, let's say that's, that's 20% of, of, of the building we carved out 20%. So on a million dollar building, we carved out $200,000. They tell the IRS it's like owning a laptop. You bought a laptop five years ago. You sold it for $2,000. What's it worth today? Whatever you can get for parts. It's worth, you know, maybe 50 bucks, 100 bucks, $200. So bottom line is they take that off the table for depreciation recapture. The five-year property is in, in essence used up. Okay, let's look at the 15-year property. 15-year property is the outside of the building, the land improvements. 
So now you've owned it for one third of the 15 years. So they take the one third off, off the calculations of the depreciate for depreciation recapture. So what have you done? You've made a massive decrease in depreciation recapture by doing cost segregation. So again, you need a pretty savvy accountant to implement the strategy that I've just discussed. I can give them tips, but they need to find a really good accountant to do this claim. So as far as depreciation recapture, all I can say is if you're not going to own the building for two years, don't do it. You don't need to call me. But if you are going to own the building for at least two years, depreciation recapture is not going to have an impact. It's going to be less of an in-cap segregating the building. So in this space, talking about depreciation, and particularly in light of current events, we just turned into 2024. There was, of course, over the last few years, an incredible gift to the real estate investing world in the form of 100% bonus depreciation, ticked down to 80%. And I think this year it's what, 60% and so on. It's going to tick down moving forward. Have you seen that tick down in the bonus depreciation figure impact the demand for cost segregation? Or are people still motivated? What are your thoughts on that? Is the 100% bonus depreciation going to come back? I mean, I'll throw it to you for that. Bonus well, hopefully, talk. you know, maybe you can already kind of connect the dots that we're a reputable company. And so I'm sorry, I'm going to have to pull in my experience of when I started in, in, in the industry in 2007 and 2008. I didn't have bonus depreciation and nobody ever did not do cost segregation as long as they met the threshold. And what is meeting, meeting the threshold? Obviously, you have to pay income taxes. So you don't call me for not paying income taxes and you own a property. Don't call Joe because you don't need me. Wait until your accountant says you need to pay income taxes. If you're going to own it for less than two years, don't call Joe. You don't need me. Wait until you're going to have a, a hold property that you're going to hold. You're planning to hold it for over, over two years. So for the first 10 years, we didn't have bonus depreciation when I was, when I was doing this. And it made no difference. So now we have bonus depreciation. Is it nice? Yeah, it's nice. But you're still going to get the same amount of depreciation. It's just going to take longer. When you, have a, when you had, it's no longer, but when you had 100% bonus depreciation, you were able to take 100% of any life of the building that's 20 years or less. Well, that's what we do. We find the 15-year the five-year and the seven-year property inside the building. So everything we find and accelerate, you get 100% of that deducted from, from your tax or your gross taxable income as an expense. Going forward with 80%, for example, you're still going to get 90% of the depreciation benefit, but the other 10%, it's just going to take a couple of years to get the other 10%. It's a timing feature. So as long as you plan on holding the property you know, when 100% bonus depreciation goes away completely, I would not expect it to be any less advantageous to any of the investors out there. As long as they're, again, holding holders, not flippers, they're still going to still be doing cost segregation. And I probably am a bad salesman, so I should probably scare everybody and tell them to do their cost segs now while it's still 80%. But that's not the way I roll. So I would invite anybody to get on the phone and talk to me about it. But I would say, as long as you're going to hold the building and you need my losses, do, do accelerated depreciation, do cost seg. So uh, to put another way, if I can, it sounds like you're saying maybe we got a little spoiled by the 100%. We got a little bit used to it. But at the end of the day, we're just kind of going back to the way things were yeah. for the longest time. And everybody did it. Nobody, nobody ever said, oh boy, I sure wish I got the, all the benefit because- in the old days, when it took you, it took 
five years to get the benefit without the math involved with 100%. It took five years to get the depreciation. So what did that mean? It meant you're going to get like 85% year one and the other 15%, you're going to get a little bit more in the next year, the next year, the next year, the next year, until all the effects of the acceleration, accelerated depreciation are gone. So bottom line is nobody really complained because they were going to get it. It just, you know, they were going to have to wait a little bit to get that extra 15%. And it's a mathematical equation. That's why I can't give you hard, fast lines because it depends on all kinds of factors, how much 15-year property, seven-year property, five-year property we find. But basically, it, it usually without any bonus, it'll take about five years to get the entire amount of the accelerated depreciation into account. So do you typically see, I'm going to talk a little bit about timelines, tax day, and the end of the year. Do you typically start to see a rush in demand for cost segregation studies as we get closer to the end of the calendar year or prior to tax filing day? How do you, from your side of the side of the aisle, see these different tax deadlines and potential rushes from clients as these deadlines approach every year. So we, we're deadline driven. So we, we just came off the two soft months, which is November, December, because after October 15th, which is the extension deadline for individuals, you know, everybody takes a breath. They don't want to talk about accounting. They're all burned out. They're done. They filed their taxes and they want to go and, and enjoy the holidays. So now we're ramping up in January because now we got the two tax deadlines for entities, LLCs, LPs, you have March 15th. For individuals, it's April 15th. And then you have extension, September 15th for entities, October 15th for individuals. I find that a big chunk of my investors are um, extenders. Uh, don't ask me why. I don't ask them why, but most of them kick the can and they file their tax return September and October. So I'm crazy busy uh, up until, let's say, uh, March 1st. And then it lulls down. Then we got the April 15th people that will come in. But most people own, the, own their properties and, and entities and not as individuals, but there's a big chunk. And then it drops way down. And then I get the big rush for, for those on extension. So my, my busiest months are going to be June, July, August for the September 15th and October 15th deadline. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I file an extension every year. It's largely because of K-1s taking forever to get done. And then yeah. the CPA has his own time to get his uh, paperwork completed. So yeah. filing the extension, not that big a deal at the end of the day. Usually it's not a big deal. And and the financial you know impact of waiting to file and, and all of that, obviously it's not that big of a deal. And so most of my clients do extend. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Great. Right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Joe, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great. Number one, what's your number one book recommendation? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a dinosaur. So this, this goes to, to a couple questions. But the one question is, when I was at, in college, a, a friend of mine who was selling me stocks to invest gave me a book. He said, you got to read this book. And boy, that really changed my life. It was, it was and everybody knows the name. If you don't, then, you, then go back to school. It's called Think and Grow Rich. I ate that book up. I devoured it. I've read it, read it so many times that I have to have new books because my old books get all destroyed. But I love that book. And that has been, that has been very impactful in, in my career as an entrepreneur. Nice. Yeah. Great recommendation. Question number two, 
Who or what inspires you? I tell you, I've got a lot of inspiration because one of the things I do is I do podcasts and I learn from a lot of hosts like you who are very, you know, very knowledgeable. I'm inspired by the, the mastermind groups I, I belong to because now you have the, the workers in the trenches that are out there and most of the mastermind groups, the, the members make a great income and, and they share a lot of that information as being a part of the mastermind. They share that with not only myself as a vendor, but also with, with the members in the, in, in the group. But I think I get my inspiration knowing that what I do really impacts people tremendously. I'll give you a little story very quickly. I went in, back in the days, I used to knock on doors. I knocked on the door of a hotel, a comfort inn, and the guy said, no, nah, I don't need you. I don't pay income taxes or blah, blah, blah. Go away. So I went away and then he calls me back uh, a couple months later and he goes, Joe, can you come? I need you. I go, okay. So I went down. He did a refinance. The, the bank did a refinance and it was great news. It saved him a lot of money, you know, great refinance, but he now owed $110,000. Well, this was in 2008 and he did not have $110,000. He was going to lose his hotel. So he said, can you really do what you say? I said, yeah, I can do it. So of course I did. I wiped his taxes, his tax bill. And he said, well, do you know XYZ? I go, no. Uh, who are they? He goes, well, they're the biggest developer in San Diego. I, okay. And he goes, well, you know, can I introduce you to the owner? He's my best friend. I said, of course. And so just that little bit of a, a, a twist there. And basically, I was able to pull off a big coup and get the largest company in San Diego. And that was right when I was starting. So it was, it was big. Nice. Nice. Question number three, think about Joe at 80 years old. What advice would 80-year-old Joe give to Joe of today? Oh boy, let's good that. The advice I would give, and I give this to every everybody out there, I mentioned the mastermind groups and the one thing that I find, which I think is so important, everybody's looking at saving dimes and pennies and you know they want the low cost, cost seg company because they're $3,000 cheaper, blah, 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 blah. But what I really tell everyone is you've got to get a good team around you. You've got to get good accountants. You don't want the accountant that works with people, no offense, but works with the people that, that work at Home Depot. You want an account that knows real estate. You want to know Taylor, who's a smart, smart guy who knows real estate. Surround yourself by a team of professionals that know what they're talking about, attorneys, because it's going to save you money. Yeah. Is it going to be expensive? Yeah. But it's going to save you money because they're going to protect you and they're going to save your butt lots of times. Nice. Well, Joe, I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing all this knowledge. If folks want to reach out or get in touch, learn more about your company, where can they track you down? USTAGI.com. U.S. Tax Advisors Group Incorporated, but make it easy. USTAGI.com. Great. Well, thank you once again for joining us today to everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one.